Hey everybody, and welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name's Josiah, and I'm one of our leaders here. Our prayer is that you find this next conversation meaningful and helpful in your relationship with God, no matter where you're at right now. If you're a young adult in the greater Akron area, and you're looking to find community, or just trying to learn more about God and Christianity, I'd want to personally invite you out to Collective. We meet at Grace Church Bath Campus every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And if you want more info, you can find it on our Instagram, GCM underscore Collective. Now let's jump into our conversation. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's up, guys? Um, I am not the normal speaker, I will be honest with you. I'm um, usually a guy named Josiah who wears much tighter pants and is really cool. But if you guys are willing to sign my petition to overthrow Josiah, I can be here a lot longer, okay? So it's in the back. Check that out when you got a chance. Um, what's up, Ben? How you doing? Hey, guys, can we give a round of applause for Ben and for Carl and for Ebeth and for Caleb, all these guys that you don't know, you don't see, they're running around making all this kind of stuff happen. We do not have awesome collective like this without those guys. So if you see those guys, just give them a, a, a big hug. Probably not a hug, but just say, just say thanks. Um, and if anyone is out in the lobby and is near a table, I would love one of those. That would be ideal. But, you know, that's why you always... Oh, come on, John. Come on, John. Oh, it has so many things on it. Round of applause for John, everybody. Yes. Fun fact. I don't know if you guys know this. John lives back there. And this is his table. All right, I'm going to talk to you guys. Uh, We've been talking a little bit. I was going to reference the bumper, but there was no bumper. We've been in this series about a lost sheep. And I know what you're thinking. Why do I care about a sheep? Well, I'm here to tell you why we should care about a sheep. Way back in the day when Jesus was walking around on earth as a human, he was walking around, um, and that was 2,000 some odd years ago. And way back then, there was a famous profession. Um, It was a job, a very common job that was all over the place. It's called being a shepherd, right? Uh, It's like working at a fast food restaurant nowadays, uh, but there's only one fast food restaurant that starts with M. There's not three. Um, But there, that was a very common thing. And you would be a shepherd. It was very common, right? Kind of a startup job, not something you'd be like really proud to be like, yeah, I'm a shepherd, right? Like you didn't want to be a shepherd, just kind of something you did, all right? So Jesus is telling this story to a crowd of uh, like hundreds of people, lots of people. He's telling this story about a good shepherd, right? Not just any normal shepherd. There's a good shepherd, okay? The good shepherd has a flock, so a bunch of sheep, of 100, okay? 100, Nice, even number, 100, okay? The shepherd turns his back for some reason. He turns around, uh uh-oh, there's 99. (gasps) A a sheep wandered away. And if you're like me, you're thinking 99 is really good. That's a really good grade. I don't get 99s a whole lot, so I'm happy to have a 99, right? But if you're like other people, you're like, no, I need 100. And if you're like the good shepherd, any other shepherd would be like, okay, whatever. Like, maybe I miscounted. The owner of the sheep, he really will not care that there's one sheep missing. But this shepherd says, no, I need this sheep, right? So the good shepherd goes off, the Bible says, into a distant land, right? That means really far away, through a river, through canals, through caves, through all this kind of stuff, to 
to find this one sheep, right? And sheep are not super valuable. That's why you have a hundred of them. So he need, he's like going out of his way to like find nothing that's worth much value. But he finds the sheep and the Bible says that he rejoices. He is so happy that he found his sheep. He brings his sheep home, right? Sheep's not going to follow him. So he's got to pick it up, put it on his shoulders, walk all the way home. And he gets home and he throws a lit banger because he found his sheep. He invites all his homies, all his shoddies. He makes this big fire, gets the best wine ever and has a party because he found a sheep. Why? That makes no sense at all. If you had $100, okay, I know that's a lot for me. If you had $100 and you lost a dollar, would you go walking around for five miles to find a dollar? Okay, you're liars. Or if your name is John Roy and you have a check for $100 and you pull down your window in your car and it goes flying out of the freeway. John, did you go looking for that check? Absolutely not, right? We're not looking for that. That's not worth much value. So why does the shepherd go and look? And the Bible says, because there will be much more rejoicing in heaven for one lost sheep than for 99 unlost sheep. The whole point of this is Jesus is saying, I care about everyone, no matter how far they are, no matter how far they're wandered off, whether they've turned their backs and they're flipping God off and running away, or they just kind of wandered and they're off the track. So we're looking and we're looking at Luke 18. Luke is one of the gospels. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Luke is kind of cool because Luke is actually a doctor, the Bible tells us, right? A biblical doctor. And so Luke is very analytical in the things that he writes down. He writes down weird details. Uh, a cool, one of the things I think is super cool is Luke documents when Jesus is crucified, one of the Roman soldiers stabbed him in the side of the ribs. And what Luke says, blood and water came out. And that's how they knew he was dead. Now, they didn't know it at the time, but that was a big thing, right? So your lungs would fill with water, and if it were to puncture, what it would look like would be blood and water. And scientifically today, that's how you know someone would die. Luke didn't know that at the time. He just wrote that down because that's how cool he is, right? So Luke's a cool guy. We're looking at Luke 18, 35 through 43. 35 through 43. And it says, Jesus was approaching Jericho, a big city. A blind man was sitting by the side of the road, begging. The blind man heard the crowd going by, and he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So the blind man called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way commanded him to stop yelling. They told him to be quiet, but he shouted even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When the man came near, Jesus spoke to him and said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, Lord, I want to be able to see, the blind man replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And right away, he could see. He followed Jesus, praising him. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Okay, and we're going to keep reading down to Luke 19, 1 through 10. Um, so the Bible, see these numbers and these chapters? The Bible didn't have those when it was written. That's something that we put in so that we could like turn to things and like know where things are at. Because the Bible's a big book. So this is one story. It just keeps going. So have that story of the blind man, right? Um, last verse of the blind man. Right away he could see he followed Jesus praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. 
a man named Zacchaeus lived there. He was a chief tax collector and was very rich. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree. He wanted to see Jesus who was coming that way. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to whisper among themselves. They said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of what I own to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount that I took. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The son of man came to look for the lost and save them. All right. So if you've grown up in church, if you've known Christ for a long time, you're going to be very tempted to sing tonight. There's a very, if you, I grew up in church, spoiler alert, right? Grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, that has a bunch of pros and cons, but one of the pros is I learned this song, okay? It's a song about Zacchaeus. So if you didn't know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. From I'm going to your house today, right? It's a banger, straight banger. All the homeschool kids loved it, right? So Zacchaeus, right? The Bible doesn't really point out physical attributes almost ever. How tall was Jesus? I don't know. Was Zacchaeus, did, or did, uh, did Nicodemus have like this big luscious beard and this long hair? No clue. Was Matthew, did he have glasses? Could he see well? Did he have a weird mole on his face? Absolutely no idea. The Bible very rarely points out physical attributes about people. So when it does, pay attention because that's a key. So two things pointed out about Zacchaeus. First of all, he's named the story before, it was just a blind man. We don't know his name. But we got a bl- uh, Zacchaeus who's named, who's a tax collector, and also he's short. So that, the Bible is telling us that those are important. So remember those. Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector, and he's very short. Okay, note something. Both of these people, right? These stories are connected. Same guy wrote them, same guy wrote them back to back, right? So they're connected somehow. Both of these guys have similarities and differences. Zacchaeus, Luke points out Zacchaeus' stature in verse three is short. Because of his physical stature, he cannot see Jesus over the crowd. He is literally too short to see over people. If you guys are short, you know what this is like. Personally, I don't struggle with this. I'm like 6'2 or 6'3. I'm kind of loving life. But for shorter people, right, this can be a problem, right? So you cannot see over a crowd. If you've ever been to a concert or something like that, or maybe you got bad seats and you can't see over the crowd, you got a problem, right? So Zacchaeus can't see. He's short physically. So he's determined. He climbs up in a tree. The Bible says sycamore tree because a sycamore tree is low to the ground and its branches are thick and very low. So a short person can jump and grab them very easily, right? So Zacchaeus gets on this tree. He easily climbs up there and he's very determined. There, so I was looking into this because, you know, the internet. And I found a thing that is slightly offensive, but kind of funny, which I feel like there's a lot of things like that out there, right? So there's this thing called small man syndrome, <laughs> so aptly named, right? Small man syndrome. When you are 
physically small. You ever wonder like why typically like shorter people are like feisty or something like that? Like I feel like in every high school, there was a short person that was like way more feisty than they had to be. Okay. So apparently it's a real thing. It's called small man syndrome, AKA Napoleon complex, Napoleon, the guy that was short. Okay. So basically what this is, is because you lack a physical attribute, AKA height, you make up for it with other things, right? You compensate because you're short, right? So maybe you're more feisty. Maybe you want to like strive in this athletic area. Maybe you want to be smart, something like that, right? Zacchaeus here, he's short. He makes up for it. He's the wealthiest dude in town. Tax collectors make bank, okay? The Roman government takes over the Jewish area. That's who these people are. And they say, yo, we need someone to collect all the money, right? And like a, a good Jewish person be like, no, I'm not collecting your money. Screw you, Rome. We're not about that, right? Like fight the power. Zacchaeus is like, I'll do it. I'll take the money. So they pay Zacchaeus and he goes around collecting people's taxes. The other thing is there is no system in place to know how much taxes you owe. So Zacchaeus can walk up to you and say, you owe me a million dollars and you can say nothing. You have to pay him. And so then Zacchaeus would give some money to Rome and keep a lot for himself, right? So he's chief tax collector. He's got a lot of money. He's making up for his small stature with his big status as his job, right? Tracking with me? Small man syndrome, okay? This is, we just got a new dog at my house. Um, my house has like, had like eight people living in it. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to get dogs. So we have this one dog. His name is Chief. We wanted to name him Optimus Prime because that's way cooler. But now his name is Chief. That's irrelevant. Chief is like this big. Chief is like pushing 250, 300 pounds. Chief is a big dog. He's an English Mastiff. He's a beast, right? He doesn't do much, but he's big. Scare tactics, okay? We just got this other dog named Roxy. And as you can imagine by the name, Roxy is not nearly as threatening as Chief. Roxy is about this tall and about this big. And if you wanted to, you could kick a field goal with her. So Roxy is, is not a very large dog, uh, but we wanted something, you know, that can hang out with. She is fun. She's a sweet dog and stuff like that. But it's very funny to see that Roxy, who do you think wins in that dynamic? The dog that's head is bigger as the other dog or the dog that can eat this thing in one bite or the basically mouse? Who do you think owns that relationship? You would think Chief, right? He's Chief. He's a big dog. Uh Uh-uh. Roxy calls the shots. It's hilarious to watch. We got this couch in our kitchen that Chief lays on. When Roxy jumps up there, Chief just leaves. He just, he like Eeyore, he just wanders back to his little cave, right? So you got small man syndrome going on, okay? The blind man, Luke points out his physical disability. So another physical trait, he's blind. He can't see Jesus because he can't see anything. Uh, But he is also persistent, right? He's screaming for Jesus, son of David. And the people say, yo, dude, shut up. And he screams even louder, right? Both men cannot see Jesus. Both men are persistent. And both men eventually meet Jesus, They fought and were determined. The difference is the blind man knew his state of need. He knew he was blind. If you're blind, you know it because you can't see things. Zacchaeus did not know he was blind and yet he was. The blind man cries out for Jesus because he recognizes his own need. Zacchaeus is silent until Jesus talks to him. Very interesting. Very interesting, Luke. Good job writing your book, man. Jesus heals the blind man. The blind man is very grateful and he goes on to follow God and glorify him. Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus is very different. Notice that Jesus initiates the conversation with Zacchaeus, right? So think 
all-star celebrity, LeBron James, walking downtown, crowd of people, right? Jesus is the stuff. Everyone knows about Jesus because this is the same town. Everyone knows that he just healed a blind man and did a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. And now Zacchaeus is talking to him. He knows what Jesus is all about. He's a celebrity. And imagine LeBron James, whatever, whoever celebrity comes in here. I don't know why I can only think of LeBron James. Morgan Freeman, there you go. Baker Mayfield, there you go. Comes in here and they look you dead in the eye and they say, Ashton Bergdorf. That would be insane. That would be really, really insane. And they say, Grant Plapwick. They walked in here, hundreds of people. I remember one time I was at this conference. It's called Passion. Um, it's like super big people. There was like 80,000 people there. You guys remember The Bachelor? And there was this guy, Luke P. Anybody remember this? This guy, Luke P. He's like this famous guy in The Bachelor because he got like kicked off and then like came back and everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, it's all scripted. But like he did it and he came back and everyone's like mad at him. So he's literally taking pictures with girls, like teenage girls, which is just creepy in and of itself. And I'm there with my church and everyone's like freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, it's Luke P. It's Luke P, guys. He's here from The Bachelor. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, can you believe it's Luke P? And there's literally like, 50, 100 people like in line to take a picture with them. At this time, I was starting a TikTok career. So I pulled out my TikTok and, and I said, and I don't know what I was doing. And I just yelled, hey, Luke P, like super loud. And he turned and looked at me and I said, get over here. And he left, like literally had girls in his arm, left, came over to me. And I said, yo, give me a shout out on TikTok. He was like, what's your name? I'm like, Isaac Bougie. That's my TikTok handle. He was like, yo, go follow Isaac Bougie right now. I don't know. I just thought like I felt should share that story. That was kind of crazy. I thought, I don't know, but something like that, right? Big crowd of people, someone, and they single you out. That's scary. That's scary stuff, right? So Zacchaeus gets singled out and Jesus initiates this conversation with him. And the other thing Jesus does is Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus, something Zacchaeus has wanted his entire life. Jesus doesn't look up to him like, oh, my role model, Zacchaeus. No, no, no. Physically, at this point, Zacchaeus is in a tree, taller than Jesus. And the Bible points out that Jesus looked up. Zacchaeus got what he wanted. He just wanted people to look up at him. And the other thing, God, Jesus knows him, calls him by name. Not, hey, random short guy in the tree. Zacchaeus. If someone calls you by name, they know you. You can't put up a facade. You can't make up something on the spot. You can't make a fake personality. Zacchaeus is being called out by name, on the spot, by Jesus. He doesn't have time to front, come up with anything. So his response is genuine. Jesus calls him out by name because Jesus is being friendly, saying, I know you. Zacchaeus can't put up a facade. And so Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down now. Not, hey, come on, man, let's hang out. Come down now. There's some urgency there for I'm going to your house today. I'm not very good at singing, but I do like that song a lot. So later on, they're at Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus unprompted stands up and says, I will give poor people half of my money, right? Remember, he's loaded. I will give people half my money. And anyone I cheated out of anything, which is 90% of the people in that town, I will give them four times fold. So if John rolled down his window and a check flew out and then $400 showed up in his car, I'd be riding in John's car a lot, just saying. Is Jesus saying money is bad? No. But Zacchaeus now realizes, because he's accepted the Lord, the value of the people around him, and that money is not 
all that there is. And we have to understand about Zacchaeus. He is an outcast. He turned his back on his own people, the Jewish people. He turned his back on them by signing with the Romans. No one wants to hang out with him. No one is friends with him. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's unpure. He's unrighteous. He has no friends. He's an outcast. No one likes him. Everyone hates him. He sits by himself with all the other outcasts because that's the only people they can hang out with. And yet he sought out by Jesus, verse 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save. Not the son of man wanders around and just picks people up. The son of man comes to seek and to save. I encourage you guys to read the New Testament and you'll see every time, almost every time Jesus gets a follower, he calls them by name. He walks through the town. He says, Matthew, come follow me. Matthew drops what he's doing. Peter, come on, let's go. By name, Zacchaeus, by name. And what is very interesting is the contrast between these two. Zacchaeus can't see, the blind man can't see, but Zacchaeus is not blind from birth. And Zacchaeus is silent. Something is in Zacchaeus' way that he cannot see Jesus and not the crowd. He doesn't need a tree. But could it be pride? Could it be self-righteousness? Could it be something that he put in his way so that people would look up to him, that they would finally see him? And it's, he's done so much of that that it's blocked his view of Jesus. And the blind man's in a similar situation. He just never knew life with sight before. Can you imagine? You don't even know that what you're seeing is darkness or whatever because you don't know the difference. And both these men don't know the difference. And when Jesus gives them sight, Zacchaeus does the opposite of what he was doing with money. He turned, instead of collecting it all for himself, he turns around, gives it all away, all of it. He's a poor man now. He just gave all his money away, four times fold. The beggar who had nothing, his family betrayed him. His family left him for dead because you don't just become a beggar overnight. Blind men are not helpful in this society, in this community. You can't have a job as a blind man. So he sits there and he begs day after day after day. And the Lord gives him sight and he turns the opposite. And now he enjoys working for a dollar, for an honest dollar. So we ask ourselves, what is blocking our sight? And what are we going to do when we see Jesus? Are we going to scream at him? Or are we going to be silent in a tree? Both responses Different, very different. Are we going to be silent? Are we going to scream? Are we going to cower? Are we going to ignore it? And I think what happens is we get scared sometimes of what Jesus is going to do. I think Zacchaeus, I think it was more than curiosity that Zacchaeus went in to go try to find Jesus, to try to see him. Like he heard the things that he did, but there's got to be something more to that, right? And it's no coincidence that a blind man is just sitting on a corner begging, minding his own business when Jesus walks right past him. But the difference is the blind man, knowing his state of need, calls out for him. And Zacchaeus, not knowing any different, is silent. And so we ask ourselves, what are we going to do? Because either way, Jesus interacted with them because we know Jesus comes to seek and to save. 
John 9, 25, talking about a blind man being saved. They're doing this whole thing, a blind, a different blind guy. Um, Jesus puts mud on his eyes or no, Jesus throws him in a pool this time. Jesus does weird things, man. But hey, you got your sight back. So who cares? So he puts him in this pool or something like that. And, and the, the Pharisees are interrogating him. And he's like, yo, have, have you been faking this? Could you have seen this whole time? Is this like just a facade that you're putting on to get Jesus some street cred? And they go to his parents and they're like, yo, has this dude been blind since birth? And his parents are like, yeah, yep, he can't see. He can't see at all. And now they're grilling the blind guy. And he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. Whether Jesus is is a liar or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Luke 23, 34, then Jesus said, father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I put that verse in context for, context for you. He's talking, Jesus is talking about soldiers who have just beat him to death, who bet for his clothes, who put him on a tree and drilled spikes into his hands. The Romans were really good at, at getting you really close to death, but keeping you from dying. It's a specialty. Dead serious. Look it up. They were crazy at it. They had this thing, the cat of nine tails. It's a whip with nine extensions on you and they would hit you with it. The Bible says 40 minus one, 39. Bible does math weird, 39 times because they knew, the Romans knew if they hit you 40 times, you would die. They know that your body couldn't handle you with it, handle that. So they hit Jesus 39 times with a cat of nine tails. They beat him with rods multiple times. They spat on him, they kicked him, they mocked him. They hung him up on a tree and what does the creator of the universe say? What does he do with all authority, all power and every right in the world to strike everyone with lightning right there and then get himself on that cross and leave? What does he say? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. They're blind. They can't see. They don't know. Both men received Jesus and the gift that he gave them with joy, right? The blind man got up praising God, glorifying him. Zacchaeus got up, gave all his money away and went and told everyone what had happened. And so this begs the question, what is Jesus like? Because maybe you came from somewhere else and maybe you grew up thinking that, that Jesus loves you if you followed the rules. Or Jesus loves you if you're good enough. Or if something bad happened in your life, it's because you messed up and God's mad at you. God can't love you because of who you are and what you've done. Maybe we're blind. Maybe Jesus does love us. Maybe what the Bible says in Luke 19 verse 10 that Jesus came to seek and to save is a true statement. Not to seek and to save if you do enough, if you follow the rules, if you're good enough. I came to seek and to save, period. We're done. That's it. No more. Ezekiel 34, 16. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will, I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. With a sleek and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Luke 23, 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Man, that verse gets me a lot. Someone says something bad about me, man. I like just go off on him. Can you imagine me getting beaten to death? Father, for... Jesus does the seeking and he does the saving. And how do people see Zacchaeus? 
before this, right? So we talked about Zacchaeus is an outcast. Zacchaeus is a liar. Zacchaeus is a thief. People do not like Zacchaeus, right? Jesus went into his house and what did the crowd do? They whispered, they murmured, they gossiped. Can you believe Jesus just went in there with that sinner? Jesus hangs out with sinners. Did you know that? That's what they're, they're saying like, that's a bad thing. I cannot believe he just went in there. In Jewish culture, if, if someone was a liar or a tax collector or something like that, they would, be called, they would be called unclean. And if you associated with them, you were unclean. And so here Jesus is spending the night in an unclean person's house, hanging out with an unclean person, loving an unclean person, saving an unclean person. And they're whispering and they're gossiping about it. And they're saying that as, as if it's an insult. And they're out there. The crowd is out there with their religion and their self-righteousness. And Jesus is saving a sinner's soul. We lost perspective. They're blind. They're blind. Jesus looks and he called out for Zacchaeus. He was looking for him. And he found him. He's like, oh, you're in a tree. Zacchaeus. No that's easy for us to say, oh yeah, Zacchaeus, cool guy, short guy, whatever. He's a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. It's easy to read that, right? And be like, yeah, Jesus is cool. He does that, right? What if Jesus seeks and calls out for you? What if you're blind? What if you're in a tree? What if you're outcasted? What if you've outcasted yourself? What if you looked yourself in the mirror and told yourself, you're not good enough for Jesus. You're not good enough to be here. And those thoughts seep into our hearts and our minds. And that becomes a reality for us. Why, why am I here? Friends, we're blind. It's so easy to be blind. Zacchaeus had everything he could have wanted, right? He, He wanted status. He wanted power. He wanted money. He got it. And yet, you got a sad short guy in a tree. The blind man didn't have anything he wanted. No family, no friends, no money, no sight. And yet he knew there was something more. The crowd grumbled, hanging on to their religion, their faith, their self-righteousness. And in Jesus's pursuit to seek and to save us, he got lost and he was destroyed. Guys, I can't, I, I can't tell you guys this enough. I can't tell myself this enough. Like you ever seen those shirts on Instagram? Like Jesus loves you shirts, right? That might be the greatest evangelism scheme I've ever seen in my entire life. Because any Christian that knows anything wants to tell you one thing. I want to tell you one thing. Collective wants to tell you one thing. Grace Church wants one thing to come across. Jesus loves you, period. End of speech. That's it. There's not a but. There's not a comma. There's no more. That's it. It's done. Jesus loves you. And he seeks you and he wants to save you so much that he lost himself and he was destroyed on a cross by his own creation. And yet he prays for them. Ask, Ask ourselves, think to ourselves, what would it be like if we didn't have sight, right? If we couldn't see, just close your eyes for a second. There you go. Now you know. You can't see. You're wandering around, bumping into things, knocking things over. 
just going about your life, trying not to die, trying to be okay. And, and would you ever look at a blind person that bumped into your car and yell at them? No. Like, oh, let me help you. Like, what are you, is someone here with you? You should not be at Walmart. Would Jesus ever look at someone that didn't know any different and be mad at them? What he would do, what he has done, is he would help us, help us see. When we have our sight, we can see our purpose, we can see our destiny, we can see our father, you can see you're cared for, you can see the truth, you can see that hope is always there, you can see that the Lord is in everything. When we can see, but only when we can see. Guys, listen here. Whether you're blind and you know that there's something more, that this is not enough, this can't be enough, because this is en- if this is enough, this sucks. We can't just live life like this if this is all that there is. Whether you're blind and you know that you need something, right? And you just don't know what it is. His name's Jesus. Whether you're Zacchaeus and you can see, but something's in your way, and you don't know you need something, you do. His name's Jesus. And the coolest thing about anything that's ever happened ever, the coolest thing, is when Jesus died on the cross. And three days later, he just picked himself back up and walked out. True story. When he did that, he did that for you. For you. For you. For us. He didn't do it so we could write a cool book. He didn't do it so we can bring up all these weird buildings. He didn't do it so we could sing these songs that if you didn't know it was about God, you'd think it was a love song. He didn't do it for all those reasons. He did it for a person named Zacchaeus. He did it for Isaac. He did it for you. Fill in the blank. Zacchaeus, come down. Isaac, get over here. I'm going to your house. And never in the Bible ever is tomorrow promised to us. Jesus speaks with such passion and such urgency. Come down now. I must go to your house today. And whether we're blind and we know it, or something's just in our way and we just got to climb a tree. The answer is the same. Jesus died for you, for you at your worst. He knew you at your worst, me at my worst. When I was running from God and I knew that I was doing it and I didn't want to be with him, And I didn't want to be with the church and I didn't want to be with anything like that. And I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. And I didn't want to live. He did it for me then. He knew me then. And friends, by the grace of God, he cured blindness. He lets us see. And he lets lets us see himself. So on your chairs, you have a piece of paper. Some of those I, I hand cut. You're welcome. Some of those Ebeth cut. You can, you can probably guess which is which. <laughs> but I encourage you, get that paper. Get a pen. There's pens in the chairs. Share it with your buddies. And on this piece of paper, I just want us to write a few things. And don't, don't look around at anyone's. And if you want to do it later where, where no one can see or something like that. But just, just like, like you're taking a quiz. Just a little huddle thing. On that piece of paper... When I'm up here and I'm talking that something is blinding you, right? Whether you still love God, whether you are a believer, 
and Jesus is your main man, he's your homie, there's still something in your way. Or whether you're over here and you don't know anything about Jesus and maybe you really don't care or maybe you're being convicted right now or I don't know, something like that, there's something in our way. Whether it's fully blinding us or it's peeking in the corner of our eyes. What I, so I used to play lacrosse in high school. I got hit in the head one time. And now this, I'm not kidding you, this little black thing floats around in my eye all the time. It's called a floater. Usually you get them when you're 80 and your eyes are falling apart or you just get in the head hard, get hit in the head. See, I told you I got hit in the head. It's just a little something floating in my eye all the time. And I don't notice it, but every once in a while it's like, it's the weirdest, weirdest thing. So whether it's that floating in your eye or you, cause you got hit in the head or you were born blind and your eyes just haven't been opened yet. There's something, when I say blind, every time I say blind, something is popping in your head that's keeping you from seeing God, from seeing Jesus. And so I want us right here and now to write that down on your little red piece of paper. Nothing symbolic about the paper. It was just the coolest one I could find. Write that down on that paper. And if nothing's coming to your head, pray that God would reveal what that was. And just take a second and just write that down, okay? It's, it's always going to be something. It's going to be pride. It's going to be ego. It's going to be success. It's going to be, I don't know who Jesus Christ is. What are you talking about? Something like that. And I'll invite the band to come up. And we're going to get settled in here. But while you guys are doing that, I want to tell you what it's like to not see and then to see. To be blind and then to see. When I was blind... I didn't know why I was here. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm not here to play church. I really don't care what anyone really thinks of me. So I'm just like straight up and honest and like, that's cool. I know not a lot of people are like that, but like, that's just whatever. I was blind and I couldn't see or I didn't want to see. And I didn't know why I was on earth. And I'll be honest. I didn't want to be on earth. There were nights where all I could do was cry. Well, all I could do was think to myself, why? There were nights where I looked at my family and they were happy and healthy and they loved each other and loved the Lord. My parents love each other. I, I'm not a divorced kid. My family is well off. I'm not a poor kid. People have loved me. I haven't had severe trauma in my life. And I know I'm blessed with that. And so I'm telling you, if I've had like this quasi cushy life, and I know some of you guys out there have had it so much worse. And there were nights where I didn't want to be here. And there were certainly nights where I didn't know why I was here. And there were certainly nights where I didn't think that Jesus was who he said he was. And that he was just mad at me, man. And he, he just kept looking at me. He's like, you can't do it. You'll never be able to do it. That's a lie. That's a lie. When I thought to myself, Isaac, you're not supposed to be here. You're a mistake. You're an accident. You're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to do anything. I'll tell you what, I was really good at covering it up. Still am. Know that meme, check on your funny friends? That's a real thing. I was so good at pretending that I could see. I even thought that I could. I was so good at hiding 
everything that I just kept getting buried deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And one day I was enough. I was done. I gave up. If this is all that life is, I don't want to live. And that very same day, that very same night, I saw a good shepherd hunting me down. He put me on his back, man. And we had a lit banger. I'm telling you, here and now, whatever is blinding you, it can be gone. You can see, but you will never do it alone. If you think you can, like I did, that you could do it alone, that you're strong enough, there's a dude named Satan, man, and that's what he wants you to think. If I'm the devil and all God tells me to do is lean on him, what am I going to tell you to do? Lean on yourself. So I'm telling you here and now, lean on him. Let him cure your blindness. He's calling you down from that tree. It's not Zacchaeus. It's not Isaac. It's you. Come down from going to your house today. Guys, Jesus is calling us. I look around at at the world and, and at you guys and at my friends. and I just think, man, the world is asking for God. They just don't know what his name is. You want assurance? You want confidence? You want a plan for your life? You want purpose? You want to know why you're here? You want to know what to do? I know a guy named Jesus. You want identity? You want security? You want to be loved unconditionally? His name's Jesus. And I see a world crying for that. I just don't know his name. And I got a small part of the world right here. And I'm incredibly blessed to be up here. Nothing makes me special. I'm just on a stage. And I got a small part of the world right here. And I'm, I'm, his name is Jesus. That's it. And if, if guards can beat him and whip him and crucify him, and he can sit there on the verge of death and say, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They're blind. He looks at you and sees his son and his daughter. Not a flaw, not insecurities, not a mistake. A son and a daughter made exactly how you're supposed to be. And he doesn't say, Zacchaeus, you idiot. He says, Zacchaeus, come here, man. Come here. So Lord, I pray tonight, whatever is blinding us, take it away. For whatever reason we can't see, give us sight, Lord. Allow us to call out to you and recognize our need. Allow the truth that you love us no matter what to seep into our hearts, Lord. Seep into our hearts. Zacchaeus didn't give his money away and then you loved him. 
You loved him and he responded. Lord, if there's someone out there tonight that needs you, I pray that here and now they find you because you're looking for them. You're seeking, you're saving. And I pray that here and now that can happen, Lord. It's not the room, it's not the environment, it's Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, t- I pray today and forever always that we can see and we can see you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Collective Podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, or you just want to reach out for help or advice or someone to talk to, we always want to make ourselves available to you. One of the best ways is to send us a direct message to GCM underscore collective, or to send us an email to collective at graceohio.org. As always, you are invited to Collective every Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Grace Church Bath Campus. Hope to see you soon. Bye.